You may be seated for this evening's lesson. The lesson for tonight, which will also serve as the basis for our homily, is taken from Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 11. Now it happened the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Thanks be to God.
We hear again a few brief verses from our text from Luke chapter 7. Then Jesus came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and Jesus presented him to his mother. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Back in October of 1999, there was a professional golfer by the name of Payne Stewart, and he had just finished playing in a tournament down in Orlando, Florida. And he boarded a Learjet that he had chartered, and along with three other individuals, was going to fly to Dallas, Texas. And as the flight took off, something must have happened within the first half hour. They don't know exactly what. But all of a sudden, uh, they lost pressure in the cabin. But the jet was still flying. And um, it was on a trajectory to head up this direction in the country toward the Midwest. Two Air Force jets were sent up to try to intercept it and to make sure it wouldn't land in a major city like Indianapolis or Nashville or Chicago. And they flew alongside of it for a while. And they could tell that the windows were all frosted, which was a sign that there was an oxygen problem. And they had no possible way of getting in contact with the people inside. Uh, Every attempt seemed to fail. So here was this jet flying along for a length of time of four hours from Florida all the way up here into the Midwest. And the only thing that they were waiting to see was where would it land and when would it land. Uh, Those were the only things that we're waiting to find out. And finally it landed two miles south of a little town in South Dakota. And it crashed and all four of the occupants obviously perished. As sad as that situation is, it it kind of serves as a little bit of a picture of what life in this world is like for us. We are going along on a great journey, and yet the only thing that really is ahead of us is to leave this life. This life will come to an end. And the only thing that's yet to be determined is exactly when will that take place and where will that take place. And that's true for all of us. We don't know the time, we don't know the location of where we will actually leave this life. The text in front of us shows just how untimely and how cruel death can be in people's lives. Listen again to this man who had died in his mother's situation. He was the only son of his mother and she was a widow. We think of the heartache that she'd already had to go through and now to face burying her own young child. And having served people in congregations where they've lost a child, uh, they all tell me that's the hardest thing they've ever had to face in life, is to bury their own children. But death could care less. Death could care less about your situation in life or how much money you have or where you are in the social status of things. Death could care less um, what's going on in your family all the other things you've had to face during the year. I had a gentleman in my church a few years back who had nine people in his close relations that died in one year's time. We try to push death away from ourselves. The medical community pushes hard. We invest a lot of 
a lot of money and time and effort. Some of the brightest minds in the world try to keep this enemy away from us, trying to extend our earthly lives as long as we can. And any little bit of scientific hope that comes along, any new development in the field of, of medicine that, that seems to offer us a bit of hope becomes the, the lead story on the news for us. And yet, in the end, it's inevitable. It's going to land somewhere. It's going to land at some place in time. A Norwegian bishop once said, the whole earth is a cemetery and the whole human race is a funeral procession. But outside of this little town of Nain, the procession of this great enemy to all of us suddenly meets the great defier of death, the one and only one who has the power over death itself. And he is moved inside by compassion to act and to help in this situation. Jesus comes and stops this coffin in its progress. And I always think, what an interesting meeting. You have this large group of mourners coming out to bury this body. And here comes our Lord and his little band of disciples, just some fishermen. And here's Jesus who looks probably just like a common man. And he now touches the coffin and he stops it in its action. And now the Lord of life is going to take action against death. And it begins by something that churns inside of him. The Greek here says that Jesus had compassion on the woman. He had compassion on this widow who had lost both now a husband and a son. And the Greek word means to be moved from the deepest part of you. His heart went out to her, we often say. In the same way that an artist hates to see his work destroyed, so it is with the very thing that the Son of Man, the Son of God himself, has created. The gift of life. He's the artist that has created this precious gift of life. And he hates to see it interrupted. He hates to see it destroyed. We're told in the Bible that all things were made by him and through him, and in him was life. And to show his mastery over this wicked enemy that's out in front of all of us, at his crucifixion, at his very death, at the moment he died, he had graves opened up nearby, and bodies that had one time been dead came alive and walked around to show his mastery over death. Think what comfort that shows us, that even at his weakest point, the Son of God has the power over death itself, and he wanted that displayed even at the very moment that he died. So the antidote to death is to be found in Christ, and in particular, in his very powerful word. Notice that all he has to do is talk to this dead corpse. Young man, I say to you, arise. Think what a moment that was to observe for the people there and for this woman and for Jesus' disciples. And what a moment that God has recorded in Scripture for all of us so that we can have hope. How little it takes for God himself, the all-powerful God, to demonstrate his mastery over this thing that causes us such fear and causes us such concern into our future. These tiny little words of Jesus are so mighty and so significant and so powerful that, that Satan and all the powers of hell have to stop and bow 
to his authority as he declares life to come back into this man's body. And isn't it interesting when Jesus describes your future death and mine to those of us who believe and trust in him, that he uses such, such simple imagery for us to realize what a little thing it is. He calls it a sleep. He calls it just like a sleep. He refers to it as an entrance into a, into a banquet feast. He talks about it as the door into life, like just going through a doorway. That we will ride on the wings of angels to the bosom of Abraham. He talks about that people will simply have passed from death into life. These are the ways that the Son of God talks about death. The world is terrified by it. Those of us on this side and, and in our culture and in our world, we, we don't want anything to do with it. Terrified. Jesus grabs it and embraces it. And he lets you do the same thing by faith in him. And he speaks of it in ways that, that are so simple that all he has to do is speak his word and cause us to arise. You know, here at this college, you're here to learn a lot of things about your life and a lot of things that you're going to do on this great long journey of your life. And we do hope and pray it's a long one. But at the same time, we're primarily here to teach you how to die. We're here to teach you how to defy the very death that's out in front of you. And we want to encourage you to live a life of defiance, not against your parents, not against society, not against culture or your family, and certainly not your instructors, but to live a life of defiance against your own future grave. Because Jesus, your Lord, who has given you the gift of faith in him, he tells you that he holds the keys to death and Hades. And so go out and do some wonderful things in your life. But always make sure that you stay with him in your heart because he alone has the answer to this great enemy that's out in front of us. And he's the one that promises and says to you, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Amen. Amen.